Well, good evening, everyone. Good to be with you again this evening. And you can imagine us Canadians enjoying this beautiful weather. My grandfather left uh, Quebec. Now, if you look at a map, remember I was talking this morning about the James Bay. And that's where Santa Claus is. And where I come from, we're just a little bit south of that. But um, my grandfather in 1905 left Quebec, and um, he was 30 years old and one of the first chiropractors in Canada. And he um, he was on he uh, he came to a place called North Bay, which is slightly south again of where I'm from in Timmins. Met my grandmother. He was 30. She was 15. And he brought her. Now I, I figured if he'd had turned right instead of left we'd ended up in Florida and I would have been here same distance I'm sure anyway I wondered if tonight we'd uh, look at a scripture in 2nd Timothy just one verse but it really goes along with uh, what we were reading about Peter this morning and it's 2nd Timothy in a verse that uh, you might be very familiar with 2nd Timothy in chapter 1 and verse 7 For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Tonight I want to look at that in some detail and uh, prayerfully uh, that it'll be a blessing to all of us that are here tonight. Uh, let us ask the Lord for that blessing. Father in heaven, we uh, we come, Father, before you. We thank you, Father, for thy word. We thank you for the power that's in thy word. We know it's alive and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to penetrate even unto dividing joints, marrow, soul, and the spirit. It's able to judge the attitudes and thoughts of our heart. And nothing is hidden, and everything is laid bare and is naked before the eyes with whom we have to do. O oh God. Be with us this evening, Father. Bless these folks for having come under the sound of thy word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. 365 times in your Bible, the words fear not are there. Seems to me like that's for every day of the year. We need that, don't we? We saw an example this morning of John chapter 18, where Peter was very fearful. Fear doesn't come from God. Now, there is a godly fear. The Bible tells us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's a reverence of God. And I think in our modern day churches that we've lost that fear. And that's the only fear we ought to have. It ought to be the fear of God. But we're reminded that, God, that uh, fear doesn't come from God. Uh, fear comes from our flesh. It's the old man in us. Um, if you are afraid of something in the past that ha that haunts you, you're afraid of the future, or something that threatens you, it's not from God. God hasn't given us that spirit. It's interesting what fear does. The uh, biggest fear we hear of today 
this, this, what used to be the biggest fear was public speaking. Isn't that interesting? Um, the biggest fear, it's hit number one on the hit parade in terms of fear, is Alzheimer's. I don't know why people would be fearful of that. They won't even know when they have it. But apparently that's the greatest fear that people have today is getting that dreadful disorder. What does fear do? One, it distorts our spiritual vision, doesn't it? It distorts our spiritual vision. When the spies were sent out by um, Moses to look at the promised land, these spies were fearful, weren't they? What did they see? They saw giants. It's interesting, though, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, what did they see? They said they saw God's promises. See what fear does? Fear will distort your spiritual vision. Wonderful story in the scriptures about David and Goliath. Well, Goliath would come out every day Apparently 10 feet tall. Interesting, isn't it? Come out, terrify the whole Israeli army. He would taunt them. Blaspheme the God of heaven. Until David came. And what did David see? Because he wasn't fearful. The Israeli army saw a giant. And what did David see? David saw a pipsqueak. Because what David saw was God in comparison to him. You see what fear will do? Fear will distort um, your spiritual vision. 98%, listen to this statistic, 98% of the things that you worry about are never going to happen. 98%. I was looking the other day at um, medications that we use, Canada and the United States, and of the top ten that are sold, three of them are for fear. The side effects of fear. You don't think fear isn't a big business? It is. The medications that we take, you know, right now there's people probably in this room that they're burning a hole in their stomach because they're worried about stuff. I know people that are depressed. Now, I, you know, listen, I'm in, I'm in the medical field, so I understand that there are... Um, circumstances like chemical imbalances and you know don't come up to me afterwards and blast me <laughs> um, for uh, you know there's legitimate I understand um, you know chemical imbalances and how the brain works and I understand those things but I think there's a vast majority of these things that are due to fear due to being haunted by your past Worried about what's going to come next. And uh, fear. But it doesn't come from God. Bible tells us that it's not of God. God hasn't given us that spirit. He's given us uh, rather a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So let's, let's look at some of the things that fear does. It, it, it doesn't only uh, uh, distort our spiritual vision. And secondly, it corrupts our faith. It corrupts our faith. Um, remember, um, you know, I hate to pick on Peter. Because really, 
Uh, you know, Peter was a brave guy compared to the other disciples. I mean, uh, they all took off, right, in, in uh, John 18, but Peter stuck around. At least give him credit for that. But uh, another time, remember when they were out on the water? And uh, it was night, they thought they saw a ghost, but it was the Lord Jesus. And uh, Peter said, hey, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. <laughs> That's pretty brave. And Peter was fine. The Lord said, come. And he actually walked on water. I can't wait to get up to heaven and ask Peter to have that felt. And then, you know, what did he do? He got his eyes off the Lord. And what did he do? He started to sink. You see, because fear will corrupt our faith. Fear will keep you in your comfort zone. Fear will keep you in your comfort zone. Now, Christian, if you're not witnessing, can I share something with you? It's because you're fearful. I know people that will not witness and they'll use every excuse in the book, but it really comes down to fear. Fearful. What other people think, right? What are they going to say? How are they going to react? That's, it's legitimate. Um, but fear will keep you in your comfort zone. Moses is told by God to go back to Egypt and demand of Pharaoh that he let the Israelis go. Let my people go. Moses said, well, Lord, <laughs> man, I can't talk. I'm not a very good speaker. Well, we find out in the scriptures that Moses actually was an eloquent speaker, trained in, in the languages and of the, uh, of the best universities in Egypt. <laughs> you know, Moses was saying, Lord, but don't send me. Uh, fear. See, fear will keep you in your comfort zone. Um, what keeps us from not doing things for God? Fear. Fear. And uh, courage begins with the confrontation of our fears. We have to confront it. We have to admit it. You know what uh, Psalm 51 and verse 6 says? God desires truth in the inner man. God desires truth in the inner man. God wants you if you're if this any of this applies to you here tonight, God wants you to admit it to him. Because nothing can happen in your life unless you confront that fear. Fear is contagious. When the spies came back with that bad report, you remember the story? What happened? They influenced literally millions of people. Fear is contagious. There's a lot of people as I travel around in the assemblies, and you've met them before, they think they have the gift of discouragement. <laughs> you know, they think that I, I, I can't find that in the Bible. But they think it's one of the spiritual gifts that God has given them. They love to discourage people. And, uh, and fear is, is contagious, is contagious. So we have to be uh, careful of that. What is God's admonishment to us? We are to provoke one another unto love and to good work, uh, good works. Encourage one another even more so as we see the day approaching. Fear, fifthly, will get you to improvise. 
Fear will get you to improvise and not rely on God. So many examples of this, but here's a good one. Abraham. There's a famine. He goes down to Egypt. He's fearful. Why? He's got a beautiful wife. He says, you know, here I am alone here in Egypt. My wife is beautiful. Surely uh, something bad's going to happen to me because of that. And so he improvises. What does he do? He lies. says, that's my sister. Right? And that's what fear will do. Fear will get us to improvise. Remember Elimelech? You read the book of Ruth. It's a, it's a wonderful story. And God is able to take uh, lemons and turn it into lemonade. That's what I love about the book of Ruth. And God takes that situation and it ends up great. But remember how it started. Elimelech was living in a place. Uh, he was living in Bethlehem. The house of bread. And he decided, because he improvised due to fear, to bring his family down to Moab, which was a cursed place. It's, uh, it's symbolic of the world, and that's for us, that when trouble comes, that we do not rely on God, we rely on our own resources, and we leave the house of bread, and Elimelech, you know what happened to Elimelech? He never came back. It says that he went to sojourn, Meaning that all he had in his mind that he was only going to leave for a short period of time. He never did come back. And you know what? I've seen that happen. I happened in my own life one time. Getting ahead of God. Improvising. Uh, and, and leaving. Um, the assembly where I was an elder. And you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a situation that I should have never done. I left. And, and uh, in, a, in a great opportunity, it looked like, in terms of finances and things like that. And I left. And you know what? God had to, had to punish me for it. You know, folks, you know, maybe God has given you... And I know it's tough in the United States. It, the, the economy is very similar in Canada. It's tough today, isn't it? Because, you know what? Unemployment is high and things like that. And you know what? You might be tempted to improvise because of fear. But I'll tell you, if God's got you in this place, and unless he shows you clearly he's taking you out of this place, you be careful. Because uh, God's wishes for a Christian is that he be in sweet fellowship with other Christians and protected by the assembly. That's what the local church is, folks. It's protection for you as a Christian. And so often times, you know, it. oh, well, you know what, I can... Uh, you know, I'm moving up in the world. <laughs> I've got a, you know, got a great opportunity to leave. But you know what? If there's not an assembly there where you're going to, or if there's not, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that God doesn't move people around. I'm not saying that at all. But you need to understand that you better be God's will for your life. Because otherwise, fear will get you to improvise. Fear will get you to rationalize your decisions. Now, what does come from God? And by the way, just a, a point about fear. Turn with me to um, to the, the uh, book of Revelation in, in the second last chapter, 21. I want to read a verse to you. You're probably familiar with it, but I want to read it to you anyways. Look at verse 8 of chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. And this is the list of the sins 
are the people that are going to hell. Look what it says. Look down in your Bibles and read that with it. What's the first thing that is mentioned there? What's the first sin that is mentioned in, in, in the hit parade of people going to hell, folks? You know what it is? It's fear. And there, I guarantee you that the biggest thing that holds people back from coming to Jesus Christ is fear. Is fear. Is fear. Worried. What is my family going to think? What are my friends going to think? I'll tell you, fear, number one, for people on their way to hell. Imagine that. Fear, folks, does not come from God. Fear does not come from God. But what does come from God? Well, we know it's not fear, but it says power. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us power. Now, that's interesting. God's given us power. Edwin Adams once said, Freedom is not the right to do what we like, but the power to do what we should. God has given us power. Well, what has He given us power to do? It's power, first of all, to say no. Toughest words in the English language, young people, especially. Toughest words in the English language for you. N-O. How to say no. Huh, the rest of the world's doing it. The rest of the world have their morality. The rest of the world, it's all right with them. Are you going to say, no, God will give you the power to do it. I talked this morning about Joseph. Here he was. Strange land. Nobody would have known. Right? Nobody would have known. And the morality of Egypt was, was a cesspool. It reminds us of what we live in today. Right? And Joseph said no. The Bible commends in Hebrews chapter 11, Moses... For saying no to the trappings of Egypt. He would rather be identified with the Lord's people. That's what it says about Moses. He's in the hall of faith. God will give you power, friend. God will give you power. To say no. To say no. Daniel said no at the U of B. Thousand miles away from his hometown. A young man. Oh, they tried to change Daniel's diet. They tried to change his name. They tried to change his culture. But you know what? They couldn't change Daniel's heart. And Daniel purposed in his heart that he was not going to conform to what the, the Babylonians want him to do. I tell you what, that takes courage, folks. That takes courage. Power! God's ready to give it to us. It says in Ephesians that God is ready to give us the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. You know what the problem is? I'm looking for a place, a plug-in. My grandchildren love plug-ins. <laughs> There's a plug there. And you know what the, what the problem is? 
we're often not plugged in. We try and live this Christian life, which is an impossibility, folks. We try and live this Christian life in the flesh. We try and live this Christian life by beating this body to try and get it to do stuff. Do's and don'ts. It just doesn't work that way. And I don't know about you, but I've tried that life. It didn't work for me. God has given us a spirit of power. And that, you know what that power, folks, is? It's the power of every day plugging in to the source of that power, the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we can't do it without Him. We can't. It's an impossibility. And so many of us live our Christian lives, and we don't mean to, but we live it in the flesh. We live it by the Spirit of the flesh. And there's no power in that, folks. There's no power in that. You'll be frustrated. Um, God never meant that. It gives us a power to live a godly life, doesn't it? I said to you a verse this morning that I memorized years ago, and it's a lovely verse, and God reminds me of it all the time. Second uh, uh, Chronicles 16 and 9, The eyes of the Lord range to and fro above the earth. Think of that. Think of what's happening even tonight, folks. The eyes of the Lord range to and fro above the earth, looking to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to Him. And if you do business with God, maybe even tonight, God will change your life. He'll give you a power to live that life. Because He doesn't want you to have the spirit of fear. And maybe you've been fearful. And it's neutralized you. It's taken the stuffing out of you. You've got no power in your life. Because you're, you're, you're scared. Well, God says, listen, you come to me. I'll give you that power. I'll give you the power to say no. And I'll give you the power to live a godly life. Oh, I love it. He'll give you a power to endure. Take Philippians 4 and 13. It says, the Apostle Paul said this, I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? I don't, you know what? This is Tony Martin's version. You can use it. Steal it from me. Ah, because really, when you look at the context of Philippians chapter 4, it has nothing to do with the health, wealth, and happiness gospel. Because that's what I hear all the time on TV. Oh, you can do it. Right? No, you can't. No, you can't. You know what it is? That verse, you know what it means? You can endure. All things through Christ who strengthens you. See the difference? You can endure. Because like I was saying this morning, this world is not our home. God didn't mean you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. Sorry. Mr. Austin, or whatever your name is, hate to disappoint you. It's not there. Folks, the Bible, read it. The Apostle Paul, is there anybody that suffered more than him other than the Lord Jesus Christ? Was he one of the most faithful people that you ever read about in the Scriptures? Folks, this is not our home. You're going to get tested. I ain't in school. I'm back in school. <laughs> I haven't graduated yet. But I can endure all things. Through Christ, who strengthens me. Endure. Endure. Ah. Power, folks. We need power to endure, don't we? I'll tell you what. I first got saved. <laughs> first couple of years of my Christian life, I tell you, 
I, I had a smile perpetual from here to here. I mean it. I went around all the time with his... I couldn't get over the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ saved me. Anything that moved, including dogs, I would witness to. You know? I wish I wouldn't lose that. I didn't lose that enthusiasm. But you know what? I'll tell you what, then problems come. You know what Job said? Life is short and full of trouble. Isn't that the truth, folks? Isn't that the truth? I, I'm not a negative person. I'm a very positive person. But that's true, isn't it? Life is short and is full of trouble. We need power to endure. You want to get through? You need power. You need God's power to endure. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. Turn with me to First um, John chapter 4. I want to share a verse with you here about this spirit that will overcome fear. Look at verse 18 of First John chapter 4. Verse 18. What does it say there? You're looking at it. What does it say? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Not interesting, eh? Perfect love cast out fear. Friend, listen. This is, this is Christianity in shoe leather. If we have love, now this is not, I'm not talking about, you know, um, filial love here. This is a gappy love that only comes from God. Okay? Now what is that? The problem with the world, okay, and I, I hate to be over over simplistic here, but let me be over simplistic. Here's the problem with the world today. I do this with my patients sometimes, okay. Here's the world, and here's where you are. In the middle of it. I said, you're going, to be, you're going to be very disappointed all of your life. You're going to be depressed. People will never live up to what you want them to live up to. And you're going to be disappointed all your life if you're here and the world's out there. It's called narcissism. I said, what you got to do, and this comes from God, by the way. You got to put yourself on the outside. God's here. And the rest of the world's here. You're in the outside. Now Paul said that, didn't he? Paul said that in Philippians chapter 2. He said, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. He said, in all things. Listen. Can you do that on your own, Christian? Impossible. In all things, consider others better than yourself. What a difference that makes in a person's life. That's what perfect love is, folks. When you love, God's in the center of your life. He's number one. You know what happens? Other people become more important than even yourself. 
And then you got no more fear. Because you know what happened? Look at the Apostle Paul's life. You know what happened in his life? It didn't bother him anymore what happened to him anymore. Because God was at the center of his life. God was the most important person in his life. And when, when God's the most important person in your life, you look at people differently, don't you? You don't look at people to serve you. I, I go down to, I'm involved in the jail ministry in Sudbury. I, I go in there and I, I look at those guys and women and I tell them right to their eyeballs, you know what? I love you. And I mean it. They always wonder, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know? Why do you come here? <laughs> well, you know what? It's because I love you. <laughs> and that's not a me. That's not the old Tony Martin. Ask my wife. <laughs> because the old Tony Martin was, I was the center of my life. Tony took care of me. And then maybe you got a little bit of crumbs left afterwards. But folks, when you look at what fear does to a person, it puts you in the center of that ring. You understand that? And that's not perfect love. Perfect love will cast out your fear. If you have uh, everybody else, have you seen that in people I have? Where they put others first. What a difference that makes in a person's life. They serve other people. And they're not disappointed when, you know, other people maybe turn on them. And other people don't appreciate them. And they're not angry all the time. And they're not frustrated all the time. Because, you know, <laughs> they know what people are made of and they understand that. You understand what I'm getting at? You see, God's given us that. God doesn't want us to be fearful. He wants us to have power in our lives, folks. And He wants us to have that perfect love that will cast out fear. And then, you know, I was reading a story the other day about uh, Dr. G. Campbell Morgan, a British evangelist. He had five sons who were all evangelists. And they were gathered around one day and they had somebody over for dinner and the guy asked them, you know, who's the greatest uh, of all preachers in this family? And they all at once, it was like they had rehearsed it and said, Mom. <laughs> because, you know, Mom had perfect love. And she said, well, she's the greatest evangelist out of all of us. Oh, I'll tell you. Isn't that, isn't that something? That's what love does. Pride puffs up, but love builds up. Perfect love casts out fear. God wants us to live in an atmosphere of love and confidence. You know why? Because in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, God says, He has not given us that uh, a spirit of fear. But a spirit, you know what he gave us? A spirit of, of knowledge uh, that we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, what does that mean? See, God doesn't want you to guess. And you know, in all due respect, in all due respect, and I mean this, to people who don't believe in eternal security, it's not biblical. Okay? And I, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. And I often don't get asked back <laughs> to certain places 
because they're not quite sure about this. But I said, listen, eternal security is biblical. Because where are you going to have perfect love if you don't understand God's love is perfect towards you? Your salvation, folks, does not depend on you. It just doesn't. And when you mix that, you get a false teaching. And all due respect to people who love the Lord Jesus, but do not understand that particular doctrine, that's a very important doctrine, isn't it? Because how can you... Uh, you know, listen, I don't know about you how you think, but how could you get even through the day, I wonder, if not knowing that my security doesn't rely on me, it relies on Him. God hasn't given us that spirit. He's given us a spirit of adoption as His children. I know that I know that I know where I'm going. It's not presumption. It's not pride. It's scriptural. Because I know who my Father is. And God's seed, it says in 1 John 3 and 9, God's seed remains in me. God's seed remains in me. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Now what does that mean, a sound mind? Well, there's a, there's, there, I've seen a lot of definitions. Probably one of the most, uh, the one that I like the most, is a disciplined mind. A disciplined mind. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a disciplined mind. What does that mean? Well, I will have no excesses in my life. That's what a disciplined mind is. A disciplined mind. Christian, there is a part that we have to play in this Christian life. Now, we want to rely on God, absolutely. And God will bless you, right? If you rely on Him for His power, because we can't do it on our own. But God wants us to work out our salvation, the Bible tells us. And we ought to do it with a disciplined mind. And there's a lot of things said about the mind in the Scriptures, and it would take me several messages to go through that. And it's a great, uh, by the way, a great study that I highly recommend you go through. Look up the word mind in the Scriptures. It's found there about 40, 50 times. And look at it, it's interesting. And there's some negativity about the mind, and there's some very positive things. There's double-mindedness. God doesn't want us to be double-minded, right? He doesn't want us to be worldly-minded, right? Uh, he, he wants us, uh, in, in Romans 12, uh, to renew our minds, right? That we ought to have a renewed mind. So know this. Let me give you a little something that I... I, I you can steal this, too, if you want. Okay? Um, three Ds. Desire, determination, and discipline. Like I said, I've just had enough psychology to be dangerous. <laughs> but, one thing I know in the medical field, as I can usually tell within a few minutes, uh, whether somebody is buying into what I'm telling them or not. Uh, within two minutes now, you know, after 38 years of practice, I can tell if their eyes are glazing over and they're not really interested, right? Because they were hoping to come to me and I'd give them a simple pill and that would solve their problems. 
He said, no, it's not going to be like that. Like, you're unhealthy, and you've got this problem, this problem, and this problem, but now it's going to take some time, okay? And it's going to, and I give him the 3D seminar, okay, in a short period of time in my office. But this applies to our Christian life, too. You know, my brother was an alcoholic. Our family had comes a lot of history of alcoholism. My, my dad's brother uh, died in a snowbank in Timmins at the age of 38 years old on a cold January night when it was about 30 below zero. And he died because he was so drunk that he, and he was only a few feet from his house when he died. He just collapsed in a snowbank and nobody found him till the next morning. That was my dad's brother. And my brother, my oldest brother, who's uh, gone now, and I, don't, I wish I could tell you that he was saved. I'm not sure. But uh, my oldest brother, uh, I love him dearly, and I, I loved him dearly, uh, died. I've already surpassed his age. Uh, he died when he was 56. But David became an alcoholic very young in his life. I remember it really well because he was my oldest brother. And I watched what booze did to him and to his family, and he lost his marriage, and uh, he, uh, you know, he, he just was, it was a terrible situation. But oftentimes, David, especially after I became a Christian, often confided in me. And David would often say to me, Tony, I wish I wasn't like this. So David had a desire to stop alcoholism. Desire is up here, and that's a good thing, by the way. Do you have a desire? You want to follow after Jesus Christ? Well, that's a good thing. It's going to start up here. But folks, you better have an 18-inch transfer from here to here. And what that is, is determination. Determination. You, the first D just won't do it. People come, oh, doc, I want to lose weight. Okay. Sign a contract. <laughs> what do you mean? Sign a contract. Because you're going to say, I'm going to tell you what to do. It takes three weeks to form a habit, six weeks to make a habit for the rest of your life. So he said, sign the contract that you will listen to everything I tell you to do for the next three weeks. And then I see the eyes glazed over. And I know I lost them. I said, okay, don't even bother signing. Because they got a desire, right? They, they, they took the step. I mean, they came into my office. They paid money. And, oh, I, I, I want to do it, Doc. Yeah. And then I, I tell them the plan. They go, I, I, you know, they didn't say it like that, but they go, oh, I can tell, right? Because they have a desire, but they don't have a determination. Determination is the transfer from year to year. It takes 18 inches. And then it's real business when you get it to here. Determine. I am going to live a Christian life that is pleasing to God. No longer a desire I've determined. That was the difference between Daniel and Joseph. Do you understand what I'm getting at? A determination. A determination. And then third, discipline. You know what discipline is? Discipline, when I think of discipline, I think of my hands and feet. You know what that is? That's every day recommitting myself to my goal. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a, a godly Christian. I want to have a disciplined mind. I want to have a sound mind. Then I've got to do my part with God's help. And that's discipline. What did Paul say? He said, I beat my body. 
Imagine the Apostle Paul saying that. He said every day he beat his body. Why? Because I'll tell you what, folks. The old person in you will come back every time. What do you got to do? Put it to death every day. Every day you got to put that old personality back to death. Every day your mind, I don't know about your, but mine doesn't, doesn't take long to wonder. And so often, you know what one of the Satan's greatest tools is today? You know what we do with our minds? We put it into neutral. I don't know if you know what that is. But go out and try and get your car to go anywhere and put it in neutral. Not going to go very far. Young people, and listen, young people, I hate to pick on young people because we're as bad now. I always said I'd never have a computer. Guess what? I never saw that I'd never have a Blackberry. Guess what I got? And I'll tell you, not hard to get into neutral. You don't have to do a lot of thinking. It comes by reflex. It's amazing. I watch my son on the computer. I'm amazed by him. What he can do? He's talking to me. You know. So how can you do that? Like me. Ed. Mm. There. There. So when you send me an email, I got no problem. I answer all my emails. But you understand, it's a little bit tedious for me. Okay? I'm... Uh, I'm uh, you know, challenged in that area. But what I'm saying is, folks, listen. There's no shortcuts to a disciplined mind. There's no shortcuts to it. And as I was saying this morning, we need a saturated mind. We need to saturate our minds with God's Word. Get out of neutral. Be careful. Remember, Satan is in the recycling business. He's green, man. Satan, he'll recycle in your mind. He, he believes in that. He'll recycle. You look at things, he'll take a hill. You know what? You'll be in the middle, middle of, a, of the most spiritual time in your life and he'll play that film back to you. He's in the recycling business. Every time I see those big dream, green trucks going by, I think of Satan. I do. It reminds me of them. <laughs> a sound mind, a sober mind, a balanced mind. That's what God's given us. That's what God, it, God will give us if we will rely on Him. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, O God, for this day. Thank you for your precious Son. Thank you, Father, for uh, these folks, Lord, that have come out tonight, Father. You know every heart in this room. Father, would you bless them, Lord, like only you can. Father, I pray maybe even one person here tonight has, uh, Father, uh, in their mind, is thinking about committing their lives, uh, their life to Christ, to maybe renewing that uh, commitment, Father, to you, to come back. Maybe they've been, oh, maybe um, faking it, God, not really living uh, the Christian life, Father, would you speak to that heart even tonight? And Father, I pray, Lord, for all of us, we need your help, O oh God. We know nothing in the flesh pleases you, Lord. We certainly don't want to be uh, more fleshly, but we certainly want to be more spiritual. God, help us with that. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.